Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Mark Nixon here, wishing every listener a happy new year. Only one week in and it's... well... yeah. So today, we bring you a bonus episode, an actor's roundtable, in which we get to know some of the fantastic recurring cast you've loved in season two. Before we join the cast, you're probably curious about the future of the podcast, right? Well, funding has allowed us to begin production of Season 3, and very much like Season 2, our plan is to outdo ourselves once again. What does this mean exactly? Well, that would be telling. Looking further into the future, if we secure funding for Season 3, we also want to start bringing you more content in between seasons, and to shorten the gap between them. Our regular donators on Kofi are beginning to offer us this reliability that we need to make this happen. Each regular donator allows us to make firm plans for production schedules. Uh, please do consider joining their ranks to support Shadows at the Door become a full-time venture. And we cannot thank everybody enough for your support thus far. And that's even if you could only share the podcast rather than donate to Kofi. It is absolutely phenomenal and humbling and just thank you so much anyway for now enjoy this roundtable discussion and place your bets to see how long it takes for it all to fall apart welcome to a bit of an experimental bonus episode for Shadows at the Door. This is the Actors' Roundtable, where we are all around a virtual table, be it round, be it square, and we delve into the minds of our wonderful cast. So I am, of course, joined, as always, by David Alt. Hello, Mark. Pleasure to be here. How are we doing? Not bad. Uh, it's a the, we have a slight audience today, which is I know really put me out of my comfort zone. Apparently, <laughs> well, season two is all about pushing boundaries, as we know. So Very much. this is just another example of that. Yes, and we're also joined, David, by uh, another member of the cast, uh, Mr. Jake Benson. Oh, hello. How are you? I didn't hear that at all. 
I said, hello, how are you? <laughs> Please stop asking me how I am. I'm just going to get worse. Each time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Progressively worse, Jake. Mm. Uh, welcome, Jake. And sitting next to Jake, this is, it's a little bit of a scandal, but I don't know if many listeners knew, but Alana and Jake are an item and live together, so... We are? <laughs> uh, welcome, Alana Chanel Gelbert. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> this is so good. I'm good. I'm not going to ask you how you are. <laughs> don't want to make you any more uncomfortable than you already are. Do you know, it would have made sense to let David do this, but um, hopefully the listeners are enjoying how <laughs> awkward this is. We're also joined by a guest star to certain episodes. Where we're joined by Erica Sanderson. How are you, Mark? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Progressively worse, Erica. Um, Erica, uh, do you think hello? this is the right time and place for our little announcement? Uh, it depends what, what little announcement you you mean. That's right, listeners. Erica and I are a couple. <laughs> oh, that one. Yes. Yeah, and you called us a scandal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, uh, Erica, um, if season three is secured... Yes. You just want me to do this, don't you? This is so awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah, yeah. the natural performer here? Not the guy doing the intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrible. You, you you didn't send me a script, Mark. You know I can't work without a script. <laughs> but the question the question mark is really, how are you? <laughs> how are you feeling right now? Surrounded by people you deal with on a regular basis, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> colleagues and and indeed friends mm. and loved ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And. So so, Mark, Mark, darling, is is there something you wanted to ask me? <laughs> I already asked you off camera, Erica. <laughs> Some time ago. I'm just going to say it because I don't enjoy how suddenly this is a mutiny. It didn't take us very long. <laughs> it's almost a record. Uh, yes, dear listeners, if indeed season three is secured, Erica is joining the main cast. Yay! Yay! Which means soon on the merch store will be t-shirts saying 25% of the entire cast <laughs> will be available to buy. Yep. No, it would just be t-shirts with, with silhouettes of David Alt and I killing each other, presumably. And a, list, a list on the back of various methods of death. Get to Alana. Oh, there's a lot of potential here. Or is it just going to be t-shirts saying, Erica played me. yes anyway i am i am i am delighted to be joining both both you misbehaving boys um for season three so yeah don't look so innocent alt yes (laughs) so what does do jake and alana bring the element of class and professionalism that this podcast so sorely needs yes absolutely (laughs) (laughs) I'm very innocent. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. I don't think we can go on any longer. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just having um, a little chat uh, just just while we were getting all the mics warmed up and and, and such, because that's the term that you use, you know. It happens to a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing that became apparent, and I almost forget about sometimes, is that Erica and Alana are not really horror fans or or is that would you say that's true i i, I was really wondering how you were going to end that sentence there 
are not really people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys can just go fuck yourselves. I'm going. <laughs> it feels sacrilegious to talk about that I'm not like a big horror fan being a part of a horror podcast, to be honest. I feel like I'm letting down the team or something but no I'm just the world's biggest scaredy cat honestly (laughs) and I think it's because when I watch films I'm super empathetic so if something's happening to a character on screen it's happening to me in my head which is why I can't deal with horror because I think that it's real like my body is reacting to it like it's real and it freaks me out which is why I had nightmares after I recorded the Slenderman episode (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have nightmares I legitimately woke up at 3am expecting to see Slenderman when I went to the bathroom (laughs) Oh, yeah. it, great writing there, Mark. It didn't help that I'd nailed eight notes of paper on, <laughs> on the wall on the way to the bathroom. And I think, just before we go, we go to Erica, I think, Alana, um, everyone who listens can can see that you're absolutely brilliant in it. So what is it like to... Is it a very distressing time for you to record? Or is it? Is, are you just a really fucking good actor? Or what's, what's going on when you have to record stuff like this? I think that, I think it's more about the characters, right? Like whenever you're doing something like this, it has to be about your own character and the journey that they go on. So of course, like in, for example, Slender Man or in the finale that we just recorded, the really scary moments. So in those moments, I am scared, but it definitely helps having the script and knowing that it's, you know, when I'm watching, when I'm watching a film, I'm sort of more swept up in the experience. Whereas when you're acting one of these you know voice parts it's kind of you're very aware of the technical side more so than when you're watching a film you know I have to worry about clipping when I'm recording the vocal track and I have to make sure that there's no you know background noise and all this so I think that takes me out of it just enough (laughs) to not be as terrified (laughs) a typo here and them that's why I leave them in is to yeah, ground you. Yeah, see, you're so considerate. <laughs> I think just in case, uh, just to remind everyone, the, the script for Settle Thy Studies was written so quickly, yeah. um, the cast were very kind, yeah, we, we, not we really telling me about all the didn't titles. have enough time. Um, Eric, <laughs> it was sent very quickly as well, actually. Excuse me? And recorded, it was sent and recorded very quickly. That's well documented well. how much yeah. I took the piss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly at my uh, wit's end. Erica, um, and... I, I heard a rumour that you don't really listen to a lot of uh, podcast performances that you record. Uh, when when you say not a lot, you mean none of them? Now, I know for a fact you listened to Telltale. <laughs> I did and listen. Bread and Salt. Yes, I did. I did. So what you're really saying is, Erica, that Shadows at the Door is your favourite podcast? <laughs> it's the only <laughs> podcast that I've listened to. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did. I did listen to, to both of those, um, mostly because I was terribly self-conscious about some parts of them. So I wanted to make sure I didn't sound like a complete muppet. Which parts um, were those, Erica? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I don't. I'm afraid. Uh, I don't. In it, the horror is not a genre that I particularly enjoy i mean i quite like ghost stories and bits of the supernatural but i do get i'm rubbish and i get really really scared and um uh, my husband's very very fond of watching horror films and i wind him up by being constantly on my phone and 
rereading plot lines on IMDb and then five minutes before there's a jump scare I will either you know take my glasses off or go I'm just going to the kitchen do you want anything and 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 make an exit and and then come back about five beautifully timed about five minutes later and I'll sit down and he'll go he'll try to explain what's just happened on the screen and he says it's fine don't worry don't worry and he goes you've been reading IMDb again maybe so yeah I'm a I'm just a bit <laughs> rubbish when it comes to things like that so yeah but i love perf- I love it, performing, it does though. fit in with the shadows at the door brand though because we're not sort of full-on horror we, we've got that creeping dread that 2020 has sort of got everyone used to yeah <laughs> and and i think that the way that the way that mark writes is that he you know bread and salt especially was it was a love story um it it wasn't necessarily well f- f- for me it wasn't necessarily about um, uh, like the, the 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 ghosts and and uh, the horror, it was more about being a love story, and 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 that's sort of the angle that that I went for when I was when I was portraying it, definitely. Um, and Telltale was that um, was very much uh, the psychological driven part of it, because essentially, um, from how the script was written, I think I probably talked about this when we did the discussion on Telltale, was that it was almost like two characters. There was the narrator who was looking back, who was, you know, very much a damaged person. And then there was the girl, uh, there was Beth, as she was living it at the time. So I had these two very sort of distinct characters that I was playing off. And it was trying to get the different tones vocally to reflect those that I enjoyed in the performance. And yeah, they were just really well well written. I should stop waffling now because there's one, two, three, several other people. You clearly haven't listened to all of our podcasts, Erica. Waffling is something we, <laughs> we do rather well. <laughs> Yes. I often feel like, um, you know, we, we were lucky to have uh, yourself and Alana join us for the season. And because uh, initially this podcast was just me and my mate, you know, <laughs> my amazing acting friend doing it. And then thought, right, we would like to get at least some female representation on here. And I, I kind of feel like, and I, I would really love to think about this, that I gave Erica some stuff that I didn't give to Alana. But then I gave Alana a breakdown scene in an English accent and I don't know whether to compliment you on that Alana or whether that's like a really patronising thing to say to an actor like wow you did that in a different accent and you had a breakdown I didn't break once I hope it's not patronising to say (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking it as a compliment honestly and I did get some nice compliments on Twitter about my breakdown too I was like thank you I'm adding hysterical crying to my resume But I was really, really nervous about my English accent um, before I moved here. Well, when I moved here, I should say, Um, because, I mean, I thought I could do a passable English accent, but it's different when you're like Mm. living in the UK and doing an English accent. You know what I mean? But the first audition I did, um, the director was like, oh, oh, you you do a good English (laughs) accent. And I was like, yes. (laughs) I was relieved. (laughs) Validation. I suppose it helps being completely immersed in... (laughs) the accent though as well all all around so that yeah yeah definitely I actually also feel like the Australian accent and I've always thought this is a really good base accent like a neutral (laughs) accent you guys probably don't think it's neutral at all but in my head because it's it's kind of American but it's kind of English it's it's easy to adapt in my mind um yeah, so I think that helps. Too. Now I'm going to write Alana a South African accent, which oh, I think no. of, I personally think are probably one of the hardest accents to try and do. Oh, 
South African would be a challenge. But yeah. you had experience with that because that director that was for a production that you and Jake starred in. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was a production of uh, Gaslight, the play Gaslight, where the term gaslighting comes from. And who was gaslighting you then, Alana? It was my lovely boyfriend. <laughs> Jake, Jake, you bastard. Disclaimer. In the play, <laughs> my boyfriend was gaslighting me. Do you know what? Yeah, actually, for the process, I just thought, yeah, all right, we'll try some gaslighting for six months. See what happens. Just abuse my partner and, uh, for yeah, a while. Why go. not? Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. I don't know. Reviews were good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I admit, when you guys approached me and David and I wanted to see Gaslight, but we'd had a, an extremely long and busy day at uh, PodCon, I mm. did look at some reviews. And when I was like about to offer you the role, I thought, I'll oh, just check the reviews for Gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad we got some good ones then, because that could have been really awkward otherwise. Well, the thing is, 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 and I learned this especially when we did Slender Chances, but Jake plays a villain very well, and, and the, the temptation is to typecast Jake um, as a bastard. Um, <laughs> and he's actually, listeners, far from it. He's just got a really oh, no, lovely sorry. evil voice. No, no, uh, my my parents did not marry. <laughs> I can, in true. fact, actually, that's probably the most truthful performance I can ever do. <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, I, actually, uh, to to interject, actually, that's probably one of my favourite things about being on Shadows, because you're absolutely right. I, I, like that is something that I, across my career, it's probably the most common kind of role has either been people who aren't necessarily villains, but are definitely sort of darker characters to play. They have an agenda. Or they are outright. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Or they're outright villains. Yeah. So it's been kind of nice when there was especially the option to be like, do, do you want to do Ichabod Crane? And I was like, are you sure? Uh, are you sure you want me to play Ichabod Crane? I mean, he's... I don't think he's the villain in that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Truly, but, in that story, yeah, so, everyone is the villain. <laughs> yes. I think that, that that was certainly one of the things that I discovered when I started voice acting like 15 years ago, which is an inordinately long time ago. Uh, but because I was a Brit in a mostly American field, they had me playing all of the villains, all of the people with agendas, all of the mysterious people. Yeah. yeah. Never anything romantic or anything like that. No, no. Which is, which is weird because it's always considered that, or it used to be considered that joke, right? Like if you went to America, there'd always be someone who would turn around and go, do, do a British accent, yep. you know. Oh it my God, work. are you British? Say something, <laughs> say something. <laughs> It's, I've always, I've always wondered. That for me, would be, um, I've always wondered that it's one of those things that it's if you, um, I learned that if you visit New York, which I had because I had friends over there, metropolitan cities are not what they're talking about when somebody says, "Oh my God, are you British?" and you'll go, "I'm actually from Britain, you know, I'm from the UK," and they'll look at you in New York and go, "Cool." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. My friend is too. <laughs> or well, get I'll out of my it. way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like yeah, how yeah. suavely Jake yeah. answered that hypothetical. Ah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> how did you tell? It's uh, actually, I, uh, I've always wondered actually if somebody says that in, in, in if you're like Scottish or Welsh 
or Irish and you go over and they go, oh my God, are you British? To a Scot. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. Not for much <laughs> longer. <laughs> yeah. I know if I had a say in it, I wouldn't be. <laughs> actually, Jake, on your chameleon uh, voice, uh, I had at least five oh, listeners God. contact me and ask who played Ivan in Bread and Salt. I was like, it's Jake. Check the credits. <laughs> didn't That's believe great. me. It's terrifying. I don't know. Actually, um, Erica, you also have the reputation of being the, co- the chameleon of voices that you are. Um, it's it's a lot of pressure. I I can I at least give myself the pat on the back that I'm like I think I can do it passably. I know that I don't do it in so much of a stereotype, which is the easiest way to do an accent, and then you can make it more realistic. But then knowing when you have a fan base and you contact me and say, can you do a Russian accent? Knowing that it's like, yes, but I do know that there are some pretty avid Russian listeners who are going to listen to this. Do you know what the great thing is about Russian fan base is they're not afraid to tell you what they think. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) Which is where the pressure's on. And that's immediately when you're like, because I think the... It's especially pertinent nowadays that acting is becoming a way more international community, which is amazing. But that means that if you're cast in something and you're playing a Russian when you're actually British, then your first thing is, is like, I don't want to insult anybody. I want to make sure that I'm doing as, as close to this as I possibly can. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So, uh, yeah. Bread and salt was very nice. Yeah, mm. I thought I thought nice. David and, and Erica, you guys were amazing in it as well. I mean, mm. thank you. I I was lucky that I was like Mark. I need you to give me the smallest amount of lines possible if I'm going to attempt this accent. And then I took the piss a little but bit, I didn't thought, I, Alana? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, nice try. Um, less lines than that, please. But yeah, David and Erica, I thought you guys yeah. were really it, the performances were amazing. Mm. Oh, oh, thank, thank you. you. It's a po- it's a popular episode. Yeah, so when when Mark first uh, messaged me this and said we're doing this uh russian folktale and i went mm. my first two questions were are we doing this in russian accent you want me to do this in a russian accent and you do real no in <laughs> russian partly in russian, <laughs> partly in russian. Um, and uh, and you do realize that we've got a lot of litmus- listeners in russia don't you it, can you really? see where the, can you see the potential for where this is going to go and mark was like let's be fine let's be fine <laughs> And I spent the weekend that I had that script um, panicking. (laughs) (laughs) Two days. And you were told to you were told to record it by by the next day. I got it on Friday, and it was due Sunday. (laughs) I had been giving her updates, and David spoiled me. Look, season three, I swear, will be much better. Please stay. Please. <laughs> See, you say that it's an actor roundtable, but we know it's a roast for Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't I drinking? <laughs> so, Mark, how are you? <laughs> for some reason, I'm very hot. Like, I'm very warm right now. <laughs> Well, it's 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 funny because it's always that prerogative, right? When someone says hello, you immediately say how are you. Mm-hmm. That is very similar to when Alana first moved here, <laughs> and her mum is kind of like this as well. Shout out to Alana's mum. <laughs> um, that they have this absolute confusion about the multiple uses of the phrase 
are you alright? Mm. As a greeting to like, to, oh, all right, Mark. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. <laughs> and it's like, but wait, when you're, but like, I've never, th- you, but it's like. <laughs> but it's, here's the thing, here's the thing, which is why it's confusing. It's not always a question. <laughs> so, you know, when you see, if I was in Australia, hey, how are you going? Good, how are you? Right? Standard greeting. But here it's like, hi, you all right? But it's not a question. It's just. You don't right. care. And I'm like, and then I'm like going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Oh, no, wait, you weren't actually asking. It's just something people yeah. say. <laughs> and it confused the heck out of me the first few weeks I was here. I'd come home and be like, I don't know if they're asking me or not. It's yeah. so confusing. In Birmingham as well. So <laughs> just, that's, that's everyone's green. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're walking away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, oh. It was just really funny. Like I went to visit Ilana in Melbourne ages ago now, and and her mum gave me this like grilling, and 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 it wasn't even about anything to do with us being together. It was just this like interrogation, being like, "What are the different?" So if you say, "All right." <laughs> Are you asking me how I oh, am? When you said it was a grilling, I thought it was going to be like, what are your intentions with my daughter? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> that was saying. South African. No, you got it there. Do you know what? My accents are all very bad. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I will it's... take a good care of her. Ooh, I really will. <laughs> Jake, stop. This is why you were Welsh in the finale. Stop showing me what you can do. Um, don't, you see, you put it in front of me, but you just but, don't know what it's going to do. But no, that was genuinely the conversation was, so is it hello or is it how are you? And in the best, my favourite thing about the UK is it has more dialects and accents than most of the world because linguistics have developed differently here. Um and so it's that quintessential British moment where you have to lean in and go, both. <laughs> um, and either. you Honestly, you kind of look at the face and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's in the eyes. <laughs> like I was still, I'm still glad that we went all British for Sleepy Hollow, which is, um, at the time of recording, mm. one of our most popular episodes of all time. It's like the third or fourth most popular episode, so... Yeah. Nice. Mm. Thank you, everyone who listened. Yeah. Mm. Thanks. And thank you for sticking with this for so long. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there like, and I'm not asking this as the producer, is there a line? Like, is there a, I mean, I feel like I've really test Erica's fucking boundaries, but like, <laughs> is there a point where even. <laughs> That laugh was a little bit too genuine, Erica. I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't know you could see laughter as a personal attack, but I found it. But like, is is there a point as actors where, yeah, it's a job and you want to do that? But like, uh, so as a writer, I I don't know what mine are, but I know that I there would be certain lines where I'd be like, I'm not. Yeah, you can pay me for that, but I don't particularly want to write that. You know, like, or I, it would have to really serve the plot for it to exist in there. He says, having written Telltale. Um, so, for <laughs> opening the floor, um, is there a line for you guys? I think it would depend on the script and the context a lot. Was this a bad <laughs> question? <laughs> well, it just goes back to exactly what, what, what Jake just said. Both? Either? Depends, <laughs> really. Um, I, I, I've been asked a few times if there's stuff that I have done or you, you get, you know, having worked in uh, horror audio um you know is there something that 
has either freaked you out or stuff that you find uncomfortable. And there, there, there are. There's been a couple of stories that I've done um, on oh, bingo, no sleep, um, where uh, <laughs> it, it, it's got to the point where I've gone, oh, this is this is pretty either close to the knuckle, either with some personal experience or just stuff that makes me genuinely uncomfortable. But it's OK. Um, I can do it. And there have been some stuff that I've only ever recorded once. I can I can just sometimes I try and give different versions and things but I will just do it once and then I have to switch off the mic and walk away from it and and just send it off to the producers and and not think about it um I I, I don't know if I haven't really come across anything where I've sort of gone beforehand I will not do this um so I think it would be a case of if, if I got given a script and I read it through and just went uh I don't think I can then I would I've always mm. I've always felt comfortable enough to be able to say that to whoever I'm working with, which I think is important. But so far that situation has not arisen yet. And I genuinely hope it mm. doesn't. Does that answer your question at all? Maybe? It ans- it's a better answer than that question deserved. <laughs> <laughs> I I no, I think it I think it, give yourself some credit. I think it's an interesting question to ask. Thank I you, think. Jean. Mm. But as we said I, before, we're I, just whores and we'll do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, and I'm saying this knowing full well that that Mark isn't a fan of this director, and I guess that this is totally an argu- arguable thing for his movies. Um, but I remember reading years ago an interview with Quentin Tarantino who talked about this, and it was the same old question he was always being asked at the time around like Kill Bill being like, why are your films so violent? And he talked about this thing being like, there's always a context. Mm. there's always a reason why something has to happen and if it's not the story it fits with the genre that I'm trying to do and that I think is is where I do it I think like Mm. you said if it serves the story in any medium if if there was a good reason for that to happen and I think particularly pertinent for horror would be going on uh, what was discussed i think if if stuff gets too gratuitous i think for me it always falls into essentially becoming pastiche and it goes so melodramatic that it it just becomes it just reduces the work i think so i think context is the most important thing Mm -hmm. and how many zeros are at the end of your contract (laughs) Um, (laughs) You, you do need a one in front of those zeros though at least (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I can give you a lot of zeros. <laughs> Look at how many zeros are on this. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, very true. I'm going to move on to a, a simpler and more basic question. What was everyone's favourite performance of the season? Uh, your own performance. We were in this play called Gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, if there was a recording of that play, I would watch it. <laughs> um, I think from this season, I really loved Nat. And I know she was my first performance for, for Shadows, but Nat from, from Slender Chances was just such a fun character and a fun introduction to you know the podcast and Mm. all of it and I think that her kind of sunny character her kind of boppiness I guess creating this podcast really um kind of was a red herring for all the stuff that happened you know Mm. as you got further on in the story so 
I just, I don't know, maybe it's more of a sentimental thing. Like it was mm. my first, you know, performance for Shadows. But yeah, I think she was my favorite. Mm. I'd you. go with Drunk Ghost Stories 2. <laughs> <laughs> David, you haven't even listened to that yet. <laughs> no, I haven't. I, I don't want but to. But he could listen to it tomorrow or tomorrow uh... or tomorrow or tomorrow. <laughs> Is this a reference <laughs> I see before me? <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I have a soft spot for Professor Troughton, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd also go with um, the audio tour as well. That was, ah, that was a very story. fun one. Yeah, yes, yes, indeed. Well, walking around or well, being the audio tour of that, that was a lot of fun. And reading German. And also, uh, yeah. And of course, I got wanked off by Erica Sanderson, so uh, in Telltale, <laughs> which has got to be a personal highlight because I don't think that's happened before. You don't know if Erica's wanked you off. <laughs> Erica's done. She she's done a lot of things to me before. Um, I don't think it's uh, ever got quite that. Um, Not handsy. even when we shared the honeymoon suite on tour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the front of the t-shirt. If the back of the t-shirt is, is how, how many ways Erica and David have killed each other. How many ways have they been romantic or positive towards each other? And it's just that one. <laughs> that, I think we're forgetting how horrific that story was. That's true. That's yeah. very true. Yeah, if we're going to talk about treating Erica right, okay. Mm. We, we heard bread and salt. Like, come on. Yeah, I think yeah, that was the only happy true. ending of the. Uh, oh, it's a happy ending. That was the only. <laughs> that was the only pleasant outcome to a story of a, of the season. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You and Erica have have the love story. We we, we, we got to right. share our moment, didn't we? Before you wandered off into the leaves oh. and trees. So yeah, she was dead. Honest. <laughs> you didn't have to. She you didn't back. have to remind she was me. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> she's dead, Erica, and she's not coming back. Oh, she doesn't even go here. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, uh, so I had a breakdown in French oh. for the first story, and then uh, mm-hmm. had a breakdown over David in the second story, and then I had a breakdown in in Russian for the third one. So I, I don't know I, what what links these characters. Erica, I think you and I need to have a drink together. There's something about you that makes me think I just want to make you break down a lot. I don't know what's going on. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the little actor's table for typecast actors. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to speak in this accent, in this foreign language that you don't speak, and also here's a page and a half of crying or sexual sound effects. (laughs) Well, you know, joking aside, I was thinking, I was reflecting on the season the other day, and I thought, is it, and, and hopefully another uh, more learned person will correct me, but is it the Bechdel test? The Bechdel test. Bechdel test. Bechdel test. Bechdel Not test. many episodes of the season will pass it. Um, mm. In fact, I think probably only uh, bread and salt, if I'm honest. And technically, mm. Alana's character was being channeled by a male. <laughs> a male well, spirit presenting as presenting as male at that time. I don't think the leshy necessarily needs to be gendered. That's true. Mm, that's Depending cool. which part of uh, folklore you've researched, but yeah, so that's that is something that you know. Absolute joking aside, I, I I very much am a fan of you know being self-critical, and I think that's something that we'll need to work on more. Um, I, yeah, that's you know. fair. 
In 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 defence, you'd be surprised what actually does fail the Bechdel test, though. Mm. In terms of like stuff you wouldn't even remotely think does. Hamilton, does. Hamilton fails. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, and all sorts of of stuff. There's even some like real like pro like feminist films that ironically just fail the Bechdel test. It's really it's an like any sort of thing you're gonna if you're gonna do that kind of list, it's it's always gonna be imperfect. Mm. So. So, Erica, what was was your favourite role? The uh, the um, the Verge's daughter from Canon Albrick Scrapbook. And- Audrey, <laughs> oh, she was a sweetie. Um, I think I have a. Thank fond- you for remembering the name. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I, I think I had a, a fondness for for all of them. Um, Audrey, because it was like it was a lovely little cameo, um, and yeah, I got to learn French for that, which I don't speak. Um, uh, and as I said before, t- Telltale was, it was the dichotomy of the characters that really sort of drove me. And um, ag- again, the sort of, uh, what's the what's the phrase that I'm looking for now? Uh, damn. Um, I know I spoke about it a lot in the, in the discussion. Um, that sort of inner... Wanking. <laughs> 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 oh, timing, Mr. Holt. You do come out at the most perfect time, don't you? Uh, uh, I try, of, yep. You, you, Usually it's scripted. Um. <laughs> it was all that, it was that it was that inner rage, frustration thing that that she had in that um, and that sort of emotional journey. And then bread and salt was was just a beautiful love story. And then yes, I did end up by sobbing hysterically into a pillow mm. and making all sorts of other various noises as well. Thanks, Mark. Well, you know, um, move it. Jake. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But of yeah, course, we've, listeners, we, Come on. <laughs> listeners we, we, we mustn't forget the fact that uh, Mark made his acting debut in this season yeah. as well. Mark, how, how we are you? We haven't had Jake's turn. <laughs> how, how are you, Mark? How are you in this question? I feel like I might, might need to take a layer off here. <laughs> Jake. Just Jake. be honest, it was the narrator in Sleepy Hollow, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> also known as the lead. Yeah, I think, yeah. Alana, I may have put this anecdote on camera before or on mic before but when I'm trying to be when I listen to it back and I was listening when I was trying to be scary at the end I'm pretty sure that's my phone sex voice <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. the more you know <laughs> if listeners want a very bizarre uh, sensual experience with me just listen to that episode uh, anyway now that I've completely embarrassed myself Jake Matt help me out <laughs> um, my well it's it's interesting because I, I don't know like my favourite episode has been Bread and Salt as like a whole piece I thought that that episode came together so well and was so different Evan was so cuddly I loved him thank you mm. thank you um, yeah so this like folk horror which I love anyway was was really interesting but I think my favourite roles would be a toss up actually between hang on we had enough of that in uh, Telltale <laughs> Oh, there it is. <laughs> it would be a toss-off between. Um, <laughs> um, loose, uh, loose ground, Finley and loose ground, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved as a whole piece. Anyway, mm-hmm. when I read the script, um, I love the fact that it was essentially this two-hander that was just so 
good and, and constructive. Mm, that was a lot uh, of which fun. Which I believe. Yeah. yeah. And also, and I've forgotten the name, which is even worse, is the librarian in Cardiff. Garrett. For the last episode. That's it. Um, and I love them both um, equally as roles to play because I think I quite like the fact that they're, they're so mundane. And arguably, they're sometimes some of the more challenging things to do as an mm. actor mm. to just be completely normal. Um, Barrett was very much inspired just by people I remember being at the library, at the library staff at the uni I went to were very much like Barrett, I guess. So doing stuff like that, yeah, that that mm. was a lot of fun to just create normal, believable people. I think, well, hopefully believable anyway. But yeah, I think well, so I, I think that's definitely awesome. something that we can all say if your performance is Jake that I think it's hard to put them next to each other and see that they're the same person. But but also yeah, <laughs> Garrett did seem like a gossip and you know he he'd been, and you know I mean I just that's yeah there's just definitely me. more to the character than the script gave you definitely. Thank you. That's just me, just in a different accent. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I like to imagine Jake that you and Alana sit sit there and you read the scripts and you're about oh what do you think Garrett did at the weekend and Dave was like fuck it new script all right Mike on um, <laughs> test test or <laughs> right, governor right I'm ready. <laughs> I'm actually like that actually blows my mind a little bit that you could just turn the mic on and be like yeah let's do it because I'm like I got to read it and then I got to read it again and then knowing me I'll like get halfway through a line and be like wait what <laughs> like there was a pickup that I messaged um, you Mark uh, what was it for I think it was for the Troughton episode where they're climbing into the building and my yeah, brain yeah. just hadn't computed the line correctly like she's referring to the lecture that she's done and she says yes it went well but I my brain like went off on some tangent and thought it was referring to something completely different and so the intonation was totally wrong but mm. I'm just I'm just blown away that you could be like yeah here we go put it down <laughs> yeah 15 years we'll do that again <laughs> yeah amazing <laughs> I, I think they, uh, I mean, to me it's testament to the writing actually that it's so it to me it's so clear what is going on with the characters that it's just I, I sight read it it's just it's just there mm. it's, it's the writing more than anything else um, but yeah it's I mean part of it did come from the fact that I was told at drama school that I was playing the ending too much because I knew what was coming up. So that that was a conscious choice I made to uh, not read the ending ahead of time. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. So I was discovering it with the listeners or, um, yeah, the, the, the viewers, the listeners. I feel bad for teasing you now. But well, Alana and Jake, am I am I right in assuming this is your first foray into... Not foray, that sounds a bit patronising. This is your first gig as a what's the word you do voice acting first time yes <laughs> uh, for me yeah yeah for me it was my first foray into voice acting um which is i think part of why i love slender chances so much because it was all new and exciting and i was kind of you know recording it going like oh is this right is this sounding mm. good and so hearing the finished product for the first time was like oh my god like hearing the whole story hearing you know me having a chat with with david when i hadn't had any of that so it was all very new and exciting but Jake's a seasoned professional. Oh no! <laughs> not, not. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't say that while Erica Sanderson and David Alter are <laughs> years of experience. Uh, I, I done a couple of, I done a couple of jobs on some video games and done ADR on a film, just, just before, uh, 
I met everyone and came to Shadows at the Door. Shadows at the Door has definitely been like the the more uh, you could sink your teeth into it. Yeah, it's a bit more of a meatier thing to get involved in. Oh, you've done some great um, sound effects. See David sniggering at this, by Hmm? the way. Meatier, get your teeth into Uh. it. (laughs) (laughs) My mind hadn't even gone there, but uh. if you're getting your teeth into it, surely you've done it wrong. Yes, (laughs) depending on what you're into. Wait, what? There you go, everyone. Uh, there you are, listeners. You can listen on, on Sleepy Hollow. You can hear Mark's sex voice and he likes blowjobs with teeth. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Gives them. Gives them. <laughs> yeah, you've corrected his technique now. It's all, it's all over. <laughs> you've broken him. Oh. I don't know how much of this is going to be in the cut. I mean, correcting his Hashtag technique. Mark Roast. <laughs> Hashtag Mark Roast. (laughs) Roasted Mark. Hashtag Nixon with teeth. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, moving swiftly on and to be nice to someone. (laughs) So, Alana, you're of course no stranger to the mic, for for you have a successful career as a singer-songwriter. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's kind of weird. It's sort of one of those things where I'm, I'm much more comfortable hearing my own singing voice back than I am my speaking voice back. So <laughs> I've gotten very used to hearing my speaking voice this season. Yeah, and, and, and listeners got to hear... Well, they didn't really get to hear you. They heard two songs in the background with David like scrubbing a bottle <laughs> over them, uh, being a little bit camp. So, Alana, where... <laughs> Where can camp people? My uh, no, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. My my gay characters are not camp. One of those guys was camp in Message in a Bottle. How are we not talking about the fact we're just talking about camp bottle scrubbing? <laughs> Seriously, people, come on. Suspiciously, I can scrub this bottle a lot better with my right hand. <laughs> if I do it with my left hand, it's like someone else is scrubbing it. <laughs> Oh god! Especially if I sit on it first. I was, I was literally about to say, try sitting on it. It'd be, it'd be much better. Eric is just off camera right now. This is... We've lost oh. Eric. I've just gone. <laughs> Remember when we thought we were going to talk about acting? You know, David and I guested on the on the Lucky Die recently, and we said, "Look, it's a very serious, spooky, intelligent, you know, like really deep, moving, atmospheric ghost story, and then knob jokes." <laughs> 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 anyway, so Alana, where can listeners listen to you um, in, in your full glory? And is your name the same? Or sh- shoot you yeah, good question. Um, so I've been performing under the stage name Alana Chanel for many years um, because back when the internet first started up, my father, who worked in security, was like, don't put your last name on the internet. So uh, sorry, Dad. But um, yeah, Alana <laughs> Chanel is um, my kind of cabaret artist name. And I have two albums on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get good music. And I am also um, upload videos to YouTube frequently. <laughs> and that's usually where I put... You've been like releasing like a song a week. I've been, yeah, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for having a bit more time this year. You know, sil- silver linings <laughs> of 2020 and all that. But I was kind of 
shocked slash impressed with myself that I managed to like up the creative output mm. this year. Um, and I've I've started trying to figure out um, Ableton, which is like a um, digital recording platform basically. And you can put in MIDI instruments and you can, you know, layer in all sorts of stuff. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but I am trying really hard to figure it out. And so every time I kind of create a track on there, I share it because, you know, I'm proud of what I've made. And so that's been a fun little experiment mm -hmm. This year is creating tracks for my original songs for the first time. You know, for a long time, I've had my YouTube channel nearly 12 years. And for a long time, it was just like one shot of me with my keyboard singing a song. And now I've like stepped up my game. We have like little open captioned music videos, basically. I'm making tracks on Ableton. So yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun to experiment. And now you're a TikTok star doing Mad Men oh, God. <laughs> uh, videos and such. I wish <laughs> I knew anything about TikTok because that app scares the crap out of me. It's just very much like the algorithm. And actually someone described it in an article I read as like a global talent contest so every single video every single user everyone is trying to be like look at all the cool shit i can do but every video is like people doing amazing stuff so it's totally overwhelming mm. when you like are scrolling through the app because you feel very insignificant i have found I, I definitely find tiktok very overwhelming but occasionally for a laugh i put a video on there David, TikTok is a social media app that young people enjoy. It's uh... what's an app? <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I don't use TikTok, but honestly, I'm just in it. If you, if there are any other D and D nerds out there, there are some fucking hilarious videos that you can watch mm. on YouTube compilations. Mm. Mm -hmm. oh, funny. It's like those old Vine ones. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Have a look at all those well, chickens. The, uh, well, to shout out, my favourite one is just this six-second video of someone going, um, this girl just singing along to a, I think it's a Bo Burnham song, um, but it's when you roll perception nat one, and it just goes, tall girl in a tall hat, looking at she's coming on to, that is a scarecrow. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that, that, that six-second video sums up Dungeons and Dragons better than anything else ever could. <laughs> um, I think I shared this on the Lucky Die, but um, I said one of my favorite things about D and is like, oh, why why do natural ones exist? You know, my character's been sword fighting for twenty years, and and then a DM I was playing with just said, have you ever accidentally bitten your tongue when eating? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> nat yeah. nat ones are what make that game absolutely incredible <laughs> mm. I, I was once jamming a game where this this one of my players was a, a, a dwarf who had all these fabulous jewels in his beard because he was a jewellery maker and he rolled a nat one while sneaking and I was like the sun reflects off your, the jewels in your beard <laughs> <laughs> and starts shining into the eyes of the guards <laughs> that for anyone That's who, amazing. for anyone who doesn't play D&D &D, um, you get a dice from 1 to 20 and the higher the number uh, the better what you want to do is if you roll a natural 1 so it immediately just rolls a 1 you automatically fail in the worst possible way and the best description of that is the scene where all the zombies are breaking into the Winchester in <laughs> Shaun of the Dead and he just goes right sorry we're closed <laughs> it's gone and it fails that is a nat 1 <laughs> Perhaps even when um, 
he switches on the light and all the zombies are in the window and he can't see them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, they followed me. That's it. Yeah, there's a nut one. <laughs> so um, you guys are all good playing zombies in season three, right? I'll do it on the nine. I'm fucking king of the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. So, Alana, are you wanting a sex scene in season three? <laughs> um... <laughs> I am trying to think actually because I don't think I've ever like done a love scene um, in my acting career. I mean, I've been eaten on stage. Um, that was a great play. I'm not making the joke. Um, no, no, I'm, nor am I. <laughs> guys, <laughs> talking about acting. I, 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 I'm busy sitting there trying to be like, I will email Mark and be like, full disclosure, we are not fucking recording what goes on in our daily lives <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> If you want an acted love scene, it will be acted <laughs> in front of... Don't think that's what he was going else. for. Hey, well, you never know. We, we've got blowjobs with teeth, bone <laughs> sex, there's all sorts of shutters at the door, don't you know? That's true. <laughs> um, no, my friend Daniel Lemon wrote this amazing play um, about these two 20-something guys who meet this 16-year-old girl, and it's sort of this mm. weird friendship, love triangle thing, and... Basically, spoiler alert, but I don't think he's going to put the play on again. Mm. Um, at the end, they kill her and they eat her. And the thing is, it was based on a true story. Sure. I know. It's kind of so what you'd expect. So, like, mm, very strange. Um, but yeah, so as far as extremities on stage go, I mean, done the cannibal thing, but I don't think I've done a love scene. I feel like that would oh, almost... Oh, so you played like, the 16-year-old know... girl? Yeah, I played the 16-year-old girl, yeah. Ooh. It was like one of the favorite roles I've ever played. She, she was such an amazing character and she had a lot of agency through the show mm. to stand up to the guys. She was kind of returning to them to narrate the story of sort of how they'd met and stuff. Um, but it was her kind of poking and being like, why did you do this to me? Mm. What, you know, you, I want justification. So we're going to go back through these memories and you're going to tell me why mm. this all happened. I want to see that play too. Yeah. Now. <laughs> oh. It was really good. It was called The Cutting Boys, and it was just such a good work, all in all. Oh, so good. Anyway. But, Erica, I'm curious, like, in in scenes like that, for example, Bread and Salt, because I feel like I would just be innately awkward. I'd just be standing in front of the bike, like, Mm. Uh, uh, yes. well, it, well, that that is that. <laughs> oh, is that it? Oh. <laughs> Jake, could you leave for half an hour while I record this one? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So, yeah. uh, right. How did I record that for bread and salt? Okay. Um. It, well, as I said before, it was it was a a, a love story. Um. So yeah, I suppose you. I don't even know what I'm talking about here now. I can cut some stuff out if you need me to. Are you about to tell us that you went full method? No. No, I'm very much of the Laurence Olivier school, which is uh, try acting, dear boy. Um, I think we've rather, established by now I'm very much not an actor. Um, 
Yeah, I, yeah. So I, I got that, and I was like reading it, and I was like, oh my god, what the hell am I going to do for this? I suppose you just it's, okay. So there's this thing where when you're crying, um, something that I remember being taught like, years and years ago is that crying, the 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 bodily reactions is very very similar to laughter. So you know your shoulders, your breath, everything about that. The the actions of crying and laughing are very very similar, and it's usually controlled with breath. So in order to create those sort of noises, it came down to just sort of breathing, really, and how you control mm. that or not so you know either on an inhale and then letting it out and then giving the sort of the the, the gasps that go with it you just try and put them in and, and hope that it sounds right yeah that's right it's the it's the technique of, of laughter is a double inhale and an exhale and crying is a double exhale with an inhale mm. the write this down guys this is gold <laughs> that's so, so. technical now i'm just sitting here like <sighs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, it's work? it's it's from some book by like I think may, maybe not Chekhov, but someone like that. And it's like a <gasps> oh no, Chekhov's if a breath of pee is at the be- in the first act, it must exhale by the first act. <laughs> <laughs> that breath is mm. is a plot point. Uh, yeah. Every breath taken in the scene is relevant uh, and is only there because it has to be there. <laughs> David, what about you? Because you obviously, you know, I think we're. Um, Erica was phenomenal, but obviously you had to. And I know we discussed this in in Telltale, mm-hmm. but d- what did you just try and remember good times? Was it a similar breathing <laughs> thing for Erica? You know, yes, all of those good times where where someone's given me a a strangely unwarranted hand job. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I didn't know that a third of this discussion would be about <laughs> hand jobs. No, sorry, two thirds. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I uh, for acting for me is is you you do access memories of when you've been in similar situations and then apply those to the characters. It's it's what I was told at, at drama school was um, know yourself, like yourself, use yourself, lose yourself with the with the four. Eminem is no. that's good i like that can you say that again so um know yourself like yourself use yourself lose yourself so the first stage of um knowing yourself is is plotting out uh your reactions to things who you think you are um at at any one day liking yourself is accepting what you have found and then using yourself is applying what bits of yourself are important to your characters and lose yourself is ditch the rest so yeah when i was doing that particular scene in in telltale it was a matter of remembering and then trying to make it as awkward as possible sort of thing Mm -hmm. certainly was when i was editing it there's definitely (laughs) there's definitely stuff that like i had that emphasized on my training and and I think it must be the same for for a lot of stage schools, especially um, about you don't necessarily like emotional recall doesn't necessarily work mm-hmm. in the way that it's like it, it even for method actors, method actors in inverted <laughs> commas, um, it's not about like oh you have to live this exact moment you have you had to have had this memory mm. it's mm. about can you find something in your head that evokes a, a similar emotion as you possibly can mm-hmm. then take what you've built here and add yourself in mm. mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. Stanislavski says something about the idea that that Hamlet is Hamlet is not real. It's you. You are Hamlet. So you play Hamlet through you. Mm. It's uh, it's mm. a, yeah. Anyway, I think it's very technical. We're gonna do a Shadows of the Door <coughs> masterclass, basically. You're gonna charge. We're Shadows at the You're Door. We're for this. And though. this is our masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, just to to jump in, the the more I write, the more I'm writing things that I haven't experienced myself, and and yet I can, I would like to think I can create these 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 things from things that I haven't lived. So yeah, it, it, it's projecting and, and imagining. So. But yeah, uh, the less of my acting ability. I mean, if there's a Shadows of the Door masterclass, I will be taking that. <laughs> <laughs> I've just, I've just got a note, little notebook over here. Just everything David says. I'm just like, you know, just taking it down. So he's a, a bit of a follow-up question from that. So I know, a lo- I think everyone here has at least acted in more than one medium, whether that be the stage, the screen. Uh, or, or audio how different is that I, I know as a listener when I listen to say Big Finish and they have I don't know someone like David Tennant next to someone who's a seasoned voice actor I can always kind of tell the difference with you guys I actually don't I'm not implying that you're better than David Tennant in case he's listening but you know um, <laughs> how does how does I, how does everyone find that with switching to these different mediums I think part of it for me is because uh, I haven't done any screens so I'll, I'll leave that to um, the couple in the corner um, in the other corner, because there's four, four. Anyway, <laughs> me and Eric. Um, <laughs> uh, with live theatre, there is always that um, that energy that the audience gives. There's that buzz of live performance, and it's and it's right there, and it's amazing. And there's there's it's visceral how wonderful it is to be on stage um, with with voice acting it's it's you and it's this the microphone and there's not that feedback that you that you get on stage i mean we've been lucky that we've played opposite each other we both have. in audio and on stage yeah. and i think our performances would be very very different so you know it, think about um daisy and um whoever you played i can't remember his name now Gerald, Gerald, no, not Gerald. In... Um, the Swergen. Ju- no. No. no, 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 the, the talk show one, Dewey Dunstable. Oh, yes. Um, so as a couple, yes. we were an awful, awful couple. And yeah. most of that happened because we were literally sparking off each other <laughs> on stage. Listeners, we this was a, an extremely um, broad performance <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from but erica and we, david yeah but if we ever came to record that it would be completely different because we mm. wouldn't have all of the nudges and the winks whereas mm-hmm. something like zwergen pond which we did record we mm-hmm. had that sense we had that sense of how to create those performances working opposite each other and then you know when we're, we're in the mic um mm-hmm. yeah i think i think it is there is a very very different energy um i recently did uh, a recording of much ado about nothing in which i had the wonderful opportunity of playing beatrice and also uh playing it live and one of the comments i got was that scene that you did in um one of my favorite scenes is the chapel scene and i do tend to go a little bit over the top of it but i adore it um <laughs> and they went yeah you kind of really really went for it in that didn't you on on that live scene and i went yes because it's live there's an audience there and also technically 
if I'd have done that on the recording, I would have been asked to do the scene again because I would have clipped the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I do find that there is, as, as David said, there's a, there's a different energy. And when I'm working with a mic, you try and sort of contain that energy and focus it so it goes down the microphone and straight mm. to your listeners. And there's an intimacy that you're trying to create there. Whereas um, theatre, there is the energy of your fellow actors, you're sparking off the other people on stage, and then also you're feeding back from an audience. Apart from now, when there is no audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, COVID. Uh, it's, mm. So, yeah, I think, yeah, there's, um, they are different disciplines i mm -hmm. would say and there, there's a family that dovetail and you use different techniques uh, throughout your performance either on stage or on audio but yeah i think i think they are different disciplines mm -hmm. and also how you respond to something say like narration is slightly different from how i would perform characters which is different to how i would perform um something else so if i'm doing like a story for children it's different from if i'm doing something for um narration for a different kind of thing or a um, factual yeah. audiobook or e-learning exactly. or something like that yes yeah. yes yeah. You, you you adopt different tones and mm -hmm. and it's the same you know you can play vastly different characters on stage and then also how you portray those in audios will be will be slightly different mm -hmm. i think so for the tv uh jake alana well, I think I'm going to speak in terms of as well <laughs> sort of being a newbie to voice acting and I think the biggest thing for me was learning how to emote more through my voice, which sounds so silly, but having done a lot of TV when I was younger and having that sort of m mode, I guess, um, being my go-to, I'm very conscious of what my face is doing. Um, and, and, you know, not overplaying it, but making sure that, you know, it's significant. And I think that when I first started recording, I was trying to do that same work. And so I'm thinking, God, I sound so flat. Like there's no energy, there's no emotion coming through my voice. So I had to really adapt, I guess. And like you say, Erica, they're all part of the same family. So I had to go, okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna show it this way now. Yeah. So that was the biggest difference for me was just taking all my face energy. And like, I'm a sign language interpreter as well. So some would say I have too much face energy <laughs> and channel it through my voice. <laughs> Uh, however, yeah. Alana, as as a as a fan, uh, I've noticed when you sing, there's always a lot of feeling. It, well, there's, you can very much see in your face uh, what you're singing. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. When you're singing about like uh, an ex or something like that, I'm like, fuck, I'd hate to be that person. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, thank you. You know, I once did have someone hear a song that I wrote about them, and they just messaged me and said, "I'm so sorry," <laughs> and I was like, "All right." Okay. <laughs> that studio time was worth it. <laughs> yeah. I I think screen screen is really tricky uh, to describe as a medium because it some of the disciplines that have already been discussed it very much takes on. So like anything that you learn theatrically about or or work through skill um, about like building up mentality. That's all transferable. That's definitely, mm. you can bring that to a screen performance. I think the thing that is what some actors tend, or, or in general, people find daunting or unnerving is screen is like taking something and then making it hyper real. This, and it goes like beyond thea theatrical mm. realism as well, where this isn't just like your acting 
as domestically as you possibly can in something like actually Gaslight's a good example that that whole play is set in a single room and I loved it for exactly the same reason that that David and and Erica talked about um it was just this live one room in set in one evening in Victorian London and it's like brilliant this is you can act this so realistically and Mm. and build the tension on screen I think it's you're not having to play up and I think that can be quite daunting because it's the moment you're told to pull a close-up or somebody says we're gonna put this camera here and we're gonna get a shot of your face um, it's scary that you have to be real to the point where it's almost uh, it's almost um, what would you call it abnormal yeah. Sometimes it feels strange to be that normal, and because you see, you hear acting, and you 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 already start to think, "I'm going to hold a skull and project <laughs> to the back." Um, yeah, real life reactions yeah. look fake on camera. It looks like acting. Yeah. So it's almost like this. Um, yeah. It's very it's, condensed. Yeah, it's mm. very hard to describe. So like everything is minute. When you have a close-up, everyone can see how your eye twitches or if you smile lightly. Whereas if you do that in a theatre, and I've been told this, uh, it, I was, it was one of my biggest notes in Gaslight because I'd done television and then did Gaslight. And I'd not done theatre in a couple of years and came back and the director's notes for me quite a lot were, can you do this slightly bigger? Because mm. people won't see this. And it's like, oh yeah, okay. Um, but I honestly find it really fun. I think it's it's the my favorite part about the job in general is the fact that you can you can create so many different cool characters with just your voice through voice acting and, and shows like this then you can go into theater and feel something so viscerally live mm-hmm. and then you can do stuff on screen which is personally I really like it uh, uh, as an actor because I love the fact that you can you can recreate these most extraordinary situations but do it in the most emotionally realistic way possible, hopefully. Mm. And uh, that I really like. Uh, but they are, like like everyone's already said, I'm just echoing at this point. Um, <laughs> they are very different. It's the only way I can describe Voice acting, actually, I'd say, has the closest link to screen. And- because the mic will pick up your... Mm. Everything in your voice has to come through as truthfully as possible. So it's hard to talk. If you're overacting in voice acting, you can definitely tell. Because uh, you could listen to me play a Kabod Crane. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun, though. I mean, that is. There's no other way. A subdued Ichabod would have been very boring, I think. But also, the, the thing about theatre is the fact that there's no go over. Mm. You, know, you, you go on stage, you walk on stage, and you, ha- you, you just go for it. And you can't just stop at the end of a scene and go, actually, can we do that bit again, please? Mm. Uh, you, you, just, you know that if you've got seven nights of performance, that's it. You've got seven shows. And that's it. Uh, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll never forget the thing that my... Um, old, um, he was my Meisner teacher who said you can do all of the prep work that you want to do uh, know what the character had for breakfast know their personal habits etc but as soon as your line your cue line is called you have to walk on stage say fuck it and deliver those lines yeah yeah. and there's that immediacy of theatre and the the fact that it, it's it's one shot simple as that 
that's that's true actually that the, i i feel like it, it would serve to purpose that um and this is not a comment on on that at all um but to do a definite myth bust is the idea of repeated takes i ah. think is is that it's actually well you could definitely do it but i think it's definitely a, a pop culture embellishment in the that that's the idea and at least as far as i was on years and years that really wasn't we we filmed that scene in in the finale that was on an army barracks and it was overnight but this this is like there's a lot of money that goes into doing screen and mm. it's the time that you have is rigorous if the if it goes over because it's like an any normal job like the moment it hits you know that we knew that the moment it hit 4 a.m that was it the shoot was done everyone's going home it's clock off time so the scariest thing is coming into those shots and they'll go we did it and they'll go yeah we'll do one more pass of that okay then you do it again and as an actor you're sat there like oh you okay uh ooh, oh, i don't know i think i might be able to do it again but then they'll turn around to you and go no, no that's it yeah cool dance monkey dance and uh, and they'll just and and everyone immediately like you'll see like 30 40 people just suddenly go right that's it yeah okay we'll set on the next shot and then you're just there on your own going i did i did i do well <laughs> did i do okay um so yeah it's film is very stop and start and uh, that that actually that's how i describe screen when you go into the theater you start the play that's it you're running through mm-hmm. film is you'll do this little bit and then you'll stop, probably for about 15 to 20 minutes, minimum. And then you'll be called to do it again, really quickly, for three more minutes. Oh, and then we'll stop again. Hmm. Um, when I was doing television when I was younger, we used to say, hurry up and wait. That was the, <laughs> that was the directive on set. They'd be like, quick, we need to get you through makeup. Okay, quick, come on, we need to get you guys in costume. Okay, quick, we need to go down to the set. Now sit there for an hour and a half until we're ready to do the scene. Yeah. <laughs> But do you know what? Actually, the best parts—the best parts of theatre and the best parts of film and TV and the best parts of actually voice acting when it gets to—is these discussions like this, and you all get to talk to each other. And the best parts about film and theatre are the people who will come into dressing rooms or on set or off set and will be like, "Do you want a coffee?" Or an actor will go, "I'm going for this. Do, do you any? Do you guys want a coffee as well?" You're a little family. So you're in it for the coffee. Great. <laughs> yeah, no, mate. I'm in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> in the wrong place. Wrong career. <laughs> so last, it's a quick qu- last quick question, and it's not just because I'm now vaguely planning season three if we get enough funding. Um, what role haven't you done that you would like to do? For shadows or in general? Yeah, shadows. No reason. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can answer that really easily. Hard-boiled femme fatale. Easy, Ooh. easy choice. I'm talking like Barbara Stan, we can double indemnity. So Chef's listeners, on, on Alana's Instagram, sometimes she puts up these amazing photos and she doesn't really put anything to it. And I took it upon myself to write a backstory for a lot of Alana's pictures. And a lot of, I did go for the femme fatale on a few occasions. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And it got to the point where I just was posting photos of me like, Mark can come and write a backstory for this. <laughs> <laughs> you did it so well. Maybe Thank one you. of those characters should feature 
in series three. That's the whole idea. You've written half a plot already, Mark. That's it. I'm going to go through Alana's Instagram and get inspiration from the characters. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I'd be fully up for a noir horror. That would be a, that is that yeah. is a genre that's not nearly explored enough. Uh, yeah. So okay. So hard boiled femme femme fatale. Um, anyone? I I always love going mad. Uh, I don't have very many happy-go-lucky characters that then just go drifting off into the wonderful world of Lovecraft adaptation for David. Got it. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, going riffing off that, I I would love, especially in that kind of Lovecraft sense, I'd love to play someone who would be someone similar to an investigator or an Arthur Kipps. Not not quite to the same extent as like Troughton is, mm-hmm. but I would love to have a scene of someone in like a tweed jacket saying, arguing with like another person in the room being like, no, I know exactly what I saw. Jake, and I knew this is why we work together. This is my <laughs> yeah. bag. Tweed and arguing, it's fine. I was going to yeah. say, I feel like I played that character. Didn't that, I dig up some crowns? In the, in, the, <laughs> in the same, like, in that same, like, hard, but in that, like, kind of hard-boiled detective way. Mm. That's we, we've some of the, we've like, definitely found our Dr. Pertwee. <laughs> I was going to say, we've done two, because we did David Tennant, and I was going to make a Lady Cassandra comment at the end. And one way or another, we're getting that bingo, guys. It's going to happen. <laughs> Actually, just very quickly, Alana, I, I um, having seen the backlash when Jodie Whittaker was... And I'm not saying Shadows of the Door is, is, is as beloved as Doctor Who, but having seen the backlash <laughs> of Jodie taking on that role, I and knowing how sometimes the ghost story community can be, I was expecting a lot of backlash for that, and I've had nothing but praise for your performances Paxton and and you know and then yeah people being quite in favor of the casting choice but then your performance on top of that I think that's one of the best things we did and and warning to the curious is in our top 10 episodes in terms of popularity so yeah no it was great I think the writing was great I think that yeah seeing the response to that episode people being like hell yeah, yeah. like why wouldn't Paxton be a woman I that think yeah episode. that was great hmm. and Erica yes who would you like to play Oh, I've been happy I've been character. About this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, I do relish and I do love, you know, the the real sort of uh, dramatic emotional journeys that 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 I've been on so far. And yes, I would like to be able to do more of those. But also, if I think about the type of characters that I like to play, um, do you know what? I'd, I'd quite like to do something a bit sort of unexpected if that makes sense which is um one of the one of the favorite roles that i've ever done before for audio is um i played a very sarcastic very very sweary space pilot who was just very very quirky (laughs) very very quirky very kind of laid back but just fast and witty and swore a lot and i have never had as much fun on an audio script as as just being able to to to, to swear my head off uh, on those very very fast <laughs> funny sarcastic lines and i'd love to be able to to kind of get my teeth into doing something similar to that uh again um but then also yeah i uh yeah other sort of uh, either romantic roles or uh, adventurous someone who kicks ass as well so the, the story like we have is Alana's femme fatale investigator is being driven by a very sweary and quick-witted taxi driver who gets embroiled <laughs> in uh, two men who have uncovered an ancient Lovecraftian text and one of them goes insane. Uh, yeah, this is... Um, 
This I'm I, honestly, yeah, I'm so surprised someone's not done a like a love Lovecraft noir idea because I think if you if if it was done tastefully and done well, it would work really well. Neil Gaiman does. Yes, absolutely. He's got mm, a private he, eye that's based in his, his yeah, private nice. eye is, is based on Lovecraft, isn't it? I think so. His Who was the same? Like was this Gaiman? Was that? Yeah, Neil Gaiman. Neil, Neil Gaiman wrote. Um, he did a Sherlock Holmes short... story set in the Lovecraft universe as well. But he's got. Um, he had right, a recurring. Yes. He was in one of his short story collections, and then he the character proved popular, and I think he brought him back. And it's is set in um, a Lovecraft. And I think I think that. the character is like a werewolf. He's a werewolf private detective. Oh, oh yes. the, yeah, yes, yeah. I know right. who you mean. Um, oh. I'd actually echo the sci-fi thing as well because it, it goes straight into that. Um, my favourite thing about the Alien franchise, especially the first one, is how, again, how completely normal all those people are when they first start that movie. Um, I would I would love a sci-fi horror with that idea of doing just the normal everyday. I think the fact that it's just a mining ship is so clever. And that's I, what makes it creepy. I saw a, a little take on this on Twitter the other day saying that Ripley is very much a 2020 figure and that she will not let someone who's possibly infected come in. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Mm. She's going to cough everywhere. No, sorry, John. Oh my God, that, that that's <laughs> the COVID conspiracy we're all waiting for. Oh God. Just Ian Home is some somewhere, rest, God rest him, is somewhere going, I can't lie to you about your chances. Would you have my sympathies? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think I'd, that my. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was going to say very quickly, just as a as a final Spitfire question from one actor to another actor's Please. group of actors, rather. Um, what would be one role you'd love to play? Ever like what? What is one of those roles? Well, other than the Doctor, obviously. Um, I think I, I if Blake Seven was ever brought back, I want to play Avon. Nice. Um, yeah, I I need to be a Jedi, or Princess oh. Leia. I feel you one way or another. The universe I needs I Erica. To be. I, 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 need, I, be I, I need to be in Star Wars. I need <laughs> yeah. I need to voice. I need to either be in the Mandalorian or I need to voice something in the Mandalorian. Um, might yeah. be the headphones, but I am seeing Leia in you right now, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 would, I would, you know, I'd, I'd love. To, there's, there's a few kind of um, fan um, things that I've seen around where the, where they take Leia as an older character as well, and I'm listening to, I'm listening to those, and I'm going, ah, oh, I wish I could be doing that. So, yeah, so if anyone has any fan Star Wars stuff, or yeah, get in touch. Star Wars, <laughs> Mandalorian, Dave Filoni. Cast yeah, me. Dave Filoni's probably listening. Yes, uh, Dave yeah. Filoni. <laughs> Dave Filoni, please start listening to horror. Please start listening to audio drama. Cast me, cast me now, please. Yes. <laughs> I know. How, that, I know how you yeah. feel because Jedi Fallen Order, the game, had a redhead and it was mo-capped, <gasps> and I was bloody livid. <laughs> I was like, well, I missed the boat on that one, didn't I? Cal Kestis, he's awesome. <laughs> what about you guys, Alana and Jake? Uh, a hard-boiled femme fatale. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, neo-noir would Neo be great. Drama, but yeah, 100%. Like, I'm one of those just like, chuck a corset on it and I'm there. Period <laughs> drama. Nerd. So, like, I think you'd make a really good Liz Bennett. 
I, I <gasps> mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Any, any, you know, any Austin would be great. Any period, I'm just a sucker for period drama. Like, I think, yeah, anything like that would be amazing. Oh, no, just, this is something, sorry, 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 but this is something that's wonderful about um, audio that I've definitely found in the stuff that I've done is that, um, you know, I don't tend to have classic, I'm not, I'm not an English rose. I don't tend to have a classically, you know, figure for, for screen, shall we say. Um, I'm a short, dumpy hobbit. Um, but in audio, <laughs> I have been able to play some of the most fantastic roles. I would never, ever sure. get a chance to play either on stage or definitely not on screen. And um, if I can plug one of my own shows here, um, I play a time traveling professor and I do all of the voices and I got to play Jane Austen in yeah, a time travel cool. mystery and it was the one of the most beautiful roles I ever got to play and and I love it and you know I've, I've recently just done Mary Shelley as well so I'm mm. currently being cast as lots of historical authors for some reason um, <laughs> but yeah playing playing Jane Austen or, or doing something like that I absolutely adored it so yes can I be your mother you yes. can be Lizzie and I, I'll, I'll be Mrs Bennet so we'll, we'll let's do, that. do it <laughs> let's do it excellent <laughs> I definitely got genres I'd love to do. Like, I'd, I'd, if if Peter Jackson was to get in touch, whatever it would be, and the same to work with Andy Serkis in his mocap stuff uh, in the Imaginarium, I'd, I'd, it would be like whatever it is. It's a yes, which mm. is what it was a yes job. Billy Crystal said it about it. Not Billy Crystal, uh, the guy who plays Mike Wazowski. Billy Crystal. Oh, there it is, Billy Crystal. So <laughs> he called it a yes job because he turned down Woody and he was like, whatever Pixar is, it's yes automatically. Mm. Um, but mine would be Richard the Third. I would love Ooh. Richard I, I, I. to play mm. Richard the Third on mm. stage, preferably in Stratford. <laughs> um, uh, RSC, if you're listening, because yeah. <laughs> I know they're into yes. horror podcasts. I wasn't going to answer the question, but hearing everyone's fantasies. So my first love was Star Trek and. I would love if there was like an audio drama or, you know, even... I just want to be in the bridge of a starship. That would be... I don't even care I, what role I have. I could be That was ensign. how I started this crazy journey, after yeah. all. <laughs> you should I could just be the ensign that brings on. coffee to the captain or the crewman, but um, <laughs> that would fulfill a boyhood fantasy to do that kind of thing. <laughs> nice. I, I think then there's just one last question that needs to be asked. Mark, how are you? How are you? Yeah, how Better. Are you? Good. A little better. Better um, now it's over. <laughs> now it's over. <laughs> now, there you go. There's 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 something in there. I'll leave that to David Alt. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for being on this journey with me, out of my comfort zone, uh, speaking to uh, four people who I very much admire um, and respect and honoured to work with. And I I really hope you've uh, you've enjoyed this. Let us know what you thought about it. If this kind of content interests you, then. We are hoes, as Erica keeps saying. Not that we would um, badmouth the sex working industry, the sex workers industry, but you know we'll do things for downloads and listens and Kofi donations. So yes, yeah. um, do we don't work know. in the sex industry. We work in the arts, which is kind of close, actually. In yeah, <laughs> traditionally, it kind of was the same thing, especially for Erica. So. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, and again, speaking of Kofi, I, I hate to be that guy, but if you do want season three, we have some amazing, not just what you've heard here, but we do have some amazing things in, in the pipeline that I'm not saying because it's so, it's so big, I don't want to say it out loud. I don't want to jinx it or have someone steal my idea. But please, help us reach that season three target and, and we'll make sure that we can bring you more amazing content with more amazing actors that you love and maybe even some more voices. Um, thank you very much to David Alt, Erica Sanderson, Jake Benson, Alana Charnel, Gail Bart for joining me um, it's a privilege and an honour as always and I love you all oh we hey. love you too much hey. thank <laughs> you thanks for not thank roasting me too much <laughs> <laughs> goodbye <Bye. laughs> and we'll see you very soon Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.